welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 186th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 641st episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, September 10th, 2020. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes a shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Well, the banner moment, again, proves a little bit tough to find on another slow news week, but I think the on the recruiting trail, at least, the, the easy pick for this one is Trey Kaufman putting IU in his final five, along with North Carolina, Virginia, Indiana State, and Purdue. For some reason here, Jared listed Purdue first, which makes no sense to me, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I don't think any of these were, were a huge surprise. Uh, the word out this week that Kaufman and the family took unofficial visits to uh, North Carolina and Virginia. No IU's been heavily after him from the get-go. Uh, so really, at this point, it's it's just a question of, of what decision he's going to make. I think the notion of being able to go through a normal recruiting cycle with visits and all of that is probably out the window at this point. And you have to feel good with everything that you read about IU really making him a priority uh, for quite some time and put themselves in as good a position as possible. And so it's really just ultimately, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a waiting game to see uh, who among that final five he's going to choose. And IU will, I'm sure, uh, continue their pitch right up to to the wire to uh, to make things happen. But he really is, as you look forward you know, on the on the recruiting calendar, he's really the first domino that will fall. And we've talked about this a little bit before. If they don't get him, uh, I think then Mason Miller maybe springs a little bit higher up their list to try to uh, have somebody else be able to step into the front court. But if he does say yes to IU, I think it's just another uh, feather in Archie's recruiting cap uh, from you know keeping big time talents in the state uh, to uh, to come to IU, and so that's uh, been an area where you don't really want to bet against Archie based on his track record in that regard so far. And I think he's the the kind of guy who would fit well in the system uh, on both ends of the floor. And so uh, it's really just a waiting game at this point. Hopefully. Uh, Trey makes a, a decision, and then we can get into a, a, a patented Ryan Phillips scouting report on him. So hopefully we get to that point. Uh, I know uh, we'd all enjoy it, and that would be great news for the Hoosiers. And with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he's a man who needs no introduction. He's long been known as the voice of the IU fan, and he's now the voice alongside Zach Osterman on Mind Your Banners. He is Chronic Hoosier, and I don't have we don't have an intro song. The best and the only drop that I have of Chronic is this one. Can a brother get some coupons? So I don't really know that that's fitting in any way, but I thought, you know, if we're going to have uh, intro songs for everybody else, then that's as, uh, that's as good as it gets. So... Uh, Chronic, thanks for joining us tonight, and uh, just uh, glad to hear you're doing well. We chatted a little bit before we uh, before we got on here, but any any lingering thoughts from what has been by far the most bizarre IU offseason any of us have ever seen? Uh, you know, uh, we were talking about it earlier. It's right now. It's just it. I, I didn't recognize how much I needed something to talk about other than than all these traumas suffering our, our nation and our, our world, really. Um, but to see sports come back, to have, you know, we do so many IU podcasts and actually to have new IU content um, other than, you know, just are we shut down? Are we, you know, 
practicing again, what have you. Uh, it's just nice to return to some semblance of normal, uh, to have those personal escapes that we uh, we all rely on, and you know to make some of those connections uh, that that sports have brought us. That's one thing. I, and Zach wrote about it earlier this summer. Um, just how much of, of our culture, our society, uh, but especially our, our friendships and our families, uh, how, how we partake in sports together, and just what a void that's left since this has all been gone. So glad to be, uh, you know, another step closer to getting back to whatever the new normal looks like. Glad to be here. Always happy to uh, to jump back on with you guys. And to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, uh, what's your rant on the last week in sports, or are you just going to double down on your rant against Asheville, North Carolina, being uh, the potential Maui site? Although we do have a new potential contender for that that we'll discuss later in the show, but I didn't know if you were had been able yeah, to move uh, on or uh, if if you're still uh, still struggling with that one a little bit. I'm still struggling that it's not Maui. It's it, yes. Uh, but first of all, welcome to chronic. We always love having chronic on. Um, I, I wanted, I was going to rant about the ACC essentially inventing the conference tournament this week. Is they saying they want to do a, a you know, a, a massive tournament where everybody gets involved. It's like, well, isn't that what conference tournaments are for to weed those early things out and st- now they just want everybody to make the tournament. And I, I did love some of the, the stories coming out that, uh, it, you know, coach K was for it and everybody else just decided it's not worth arguing with him. It's, you know, and uh, I think that's a really dumb idea. I get that, you know, if there aren't uh conference uh, if there aren't non-conference games, it might be hard to weed people out, but I mean, just have conference tournaments and have, you know, select a certain amount from each conference that are getting in and play the conference tournaments to give the people who don't make that list uh, a chance to, to jump in and then just have a normal tournament. I don't understand why we have to do radical ideas here. Just give the people the normal tournament they want uh, with, with the conference tournaments doing their thing to weed out the, the potential contenders. So, uh, I, I thought that was just a crazy uh, proposal. I'm sure we'll talk about it in the news segment. Yeah, it's uh, see already two times. I wished I had other drops of chronic, and I wish I had your a series of uh, things about Shashevsky. So here we are, not too long into the show, already full, filled with regret for not having some of these. But uh, we'll, we'll make do. Maybe you'll make new ones uh, as we talk about that a little bit further here in a minute. Uh, so I would this, bet heavily on that. Yeah, good, good. Uh, so this week we will, uh, as Ryan mentioned, go through some Hoosier headlines, including uh, that uh, odd, at best, idea that the ACC floated out this week that has already been shot down. Uh, and then uh, with uh, with content a little a little dry, we uh, open things up and ask for questions uh, to do an AMA about about anything. And uh, you obliged, so we got a handful of questions, uh, actually quite a few that came in. So we'll try to hit as many of those as we can. Uh, later here in the show, so that will all be later this uh, on this edition of the Assembly Call of Assembly Call Radio. And before we get to that, a uh, quick announcement to please continue to support our friends at Homefield. You can use the promo code Assembly twenty to save twenty percent on your entire order. There, I believe um, they're moving on from uh, rolling out Syracuse last week. I think Auburn looks to be up uh, this week, so they continue to put out a lot of great. Uh, great products. Again, I have uh, I, I vowed not to buy any of the Syracuse stuff, although there were some some cool designs there. But I just I just can't do it. So, uh, but anyway, continue to support those guys. They're doing an awesome job rolling out new schools every single week, and uh, 
super comfortable stuff and looking forward to wearing uh, some of the new sweatshirts that I bought over the, uh, over the summer here as, uh, as things cool down a little bit as we head into fall. All right. So who's your headlines guys? Uh, the first one, this happened on Friday. So, uh, been about it. This is about a week old at this point, but it has happened since we did the show. Uh, workouts at IU were paused after a positive test. It was not specified which programs, um, the test came from, but it was men's basketball, men's soccer, wrestling, and field hockey. Uh, so, you know, I, I think to a certain extent, starting, starting things up, that's somewhat of an inevitability, uh, given everything that we've seen and so far, but, um, you know, Ryan, what, what's your initial reaction to that? Does that make you feel any better, worse about the season happening? Is it just, you know, something that we're going to have to be comfortable with? And, uh, I, I don't know, what was your initial reaction to seeing that, that things got shut down? Well, I mean, if you're going to have workouts in this environment, you're probably going to wind up having some positive tests, especially with college kids. I mean, Major League Baseball uh, and then the two bubble scenarios have largely contained things. Um, I think there were, I mean, obviously there were some, you know, mistakes with Major League Baseball with the Marlins and and the the Cardinals having issues and a couple other teams as well. Uh, But for the most part, things have been pretty well contained with a ton of testing. And look, if you're going to do this with college kids in a college town, somebody's going to break the rules. Somebody's going to get it and then they're going to spread it. And that's going to happen if we've all decided this is what we're going to do and we're going to have sports and we're going to have workouts and getting these guys ready for a season. This is going to happen. I'm not, you know, other schools have certainly had it worse than Indiana. Uh, Other schools we've learned were not even following the protocols and not even, you know, not even caring about it and encouraging students not to bring it up when they you know, felt symptoms coming on and things like that. I feel better about it in Indiana than other places, but this is the, this is the danger of doing this. And so, um, yes, it's correct. It's obviously right that they paused workouts if this is happening and and get everybody to shut down and quarantine and all that. But, you know, this is going to come with the territory. As long as this is going on, people are going to get it. And, and, you know, they've just got to be responsible as much as possible. So chronic, I I'm interested in your thoughts on, on that, but maybe even just more generally being in Bloomington, seeing what the university is doing, uh, as, as students have come back to campus, just your overall impressions of, uh, of kind of how campus life is, uh, moving on, how it's impacted, uh, just any, any thoughts that you have from, from being there uh, a lot closer to it than either of us are. You know, it's such a wild time, uh, everywhere around the world. And, but when you look at, at universities and what they do and what universities communities look like. Um, it's just so incredibly complex and difficult and challenging. Um, and then it's just such a complicated situation right now. Uh, and honestly, the more that it continues to go on and we see successes here and failures there and, and all the criticism that comes along with it, you know, uh, like a lot of businesses, like a lot of uh, institutions, universities have really been put in a, a no-win situation in so many different ways. It's it's really difficult to do what they're trying to do. And at the end of the day, you know, the COVID seems to be highly transmissible via shared air, uh, you know, aerosols and whatnot. And, you know, so many people, it's easy for the outside. You focus on, well, the classrooms and we're going to distance and all this and everything else. And you forget what, what the whole experience looks like. And, you know, so little of the total college experience actually takes place in a classroom and so much of it happens outside um, so much of, of this town and what makes Bloomington such a wonderful place to be 
uh, happens indoors, you know, restaurants, clubs, and everything else, and, and sporting events. And just, we like to gather in that age group. It just makes it so incredibly difficult. And, you know, just this weekend, you've got, every time you see large crowds, there's images popping up on social media. And, you know, the, the, the discussion is so bifurcated and, and really just so polarizing that it, there, it misses all the nuance. And yes, it's, um, it's, it, there's really no way to go about it entirely safely. Yes, there's a lot of people, students included, and I think they uh, they get a rap for a lot of this. That you know this this is either all their fault or you know they um, they're the ones getting totally robbed by the whole deal. At the end of the day, man, you know we would actually have a record enrollment in IU this year, but for the fact that we lost a lot of international students due to the travel restrictions that have really taken over the globe. Um, People want to be back. You know, if you believe in market economics, the demand is absolutely there for uh, for the on-campus experience. And I think, you know, from what I've seen close hand, a lot of people put a boatload of effort into making this happen as safely and as smartly as possible. And yes, it, it's very much a fragile situation. Uh, and yes, it's one of those things that every single day and every choice that every person on campus makes contributes to the overall well-being of it. And I see the vast majority of people really being smart and kind and, and respectful to the other people around them. Um, at the end of the day too, you know, every time you turn around, you see something that you know uh, is, is a dangerous or a risky situation. Uh, and as we've seen with the Greek houses and the situation that's unfolded there, it's really put everything on campus right on a precipice. It's put the whole community on a precipice. I mean, our community schools are right on the verge uh, based off the positivity rate in the community of having to close back down, having just opened, uh, having just put an entire summer of effort into making this happen. So a lot of, uh, a lot of kudos for a lot of people to get us this far. Uh, but the challenge with this thing is it's not like tomorrow's any easier than today or yesterday was every day. The challenge is omnipresent as you see with the, uh, with the athletic teams having to shut down. Um, and those kids are so incredibly well resourced and invested in what they're trying to do. And it just proves how incredibly difficult it is, you know, to go about in an open society as, you know, even with our restrictions and still stay as, as healthy as we can throughout it. So I, I just, I wish more folks could recognize the complexity and, and what the vast, vast majority of people are doing and trying to do to make not just school or sports, but just to keep everybody well throughout all of this. So the, the kids are, the kids are all right, man. They're all right. <laughs> well, well said. All right. So Brian alluded to this. Uh, so the ACC this week floated this idea, put out a statement about uh, having a, a tournament with all teams uh, being included. Uh, I think, as Ryan said, as, as other things have, have floated out about it, it seemed like there were a few voices in the room that wanted to push for it. And then everybody else just didn't want to bother because they probably assumed that it would get shut down anyway. And rightfully so, because it already really has been. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that, that came up, I think it was Gary Parrish who brought this up on the, on the CBS podcast this week is that if that, that part of this might be born out of the ACC and certainly potentially other leagues, um, playing conference only schedules and basically saying, well, it's going to be really hard to do any number of things to establish where your conference sits in the pecking order without that. So then let's give ourselves a chance to get as many teams in as possible by, you know, further in the tournament by doing it that way. I think there's probably some truth to that and it still remains to be seen how, you know, how different leagues are going to handle this. But overall, the idea seemed uh, just patently absurd, uh, really on, on every level from the logistics of making it work to different things where, you know, and it's like, well, just have conference tournaments. I mean, essentially that's what you have today in order to be able to do it. I cannot imagine the, the notion of seeding. Uh, this is not even from a bracketology perspective. This is just from a, like, 
common sense, how would you do this perspective of how are you going to seed those teams and set all this up and, and, and whatever Any, else. I, do you think it would be crazy for one year just to do a random draw like they do in European soccer or something like that? I mean, all these teams make it. You, if you win your conference tournament, you get put into one, or you win your conference, you get put into one pod or whatever, and everybody else is just a random draw. Do you think that's, I mean, I know it kind of takes your, your job know. out of the window. It but would be, well, I'm, I'm making tons of money off that. So that would really be a huge Yeah, blow. you are. Uh, I mean, it would be, you know, yeah, that would be disappointing. But, I, you know, I don't know. You'd, I have think to, you'd, you'd have to give up, you'd have to give up putting the third story on your house. I get it. But uh, obviously, we would do the, uh, you know, I think you could. I think you could kind of tier the teams and maybe have, you know, certain ones, but at that point you might as well just seed it out anyway and do some of that. I, there are challenges. Sure. There are a hundred percent challenges to not playing non-conference games because it makes the process that they use to evaluate the teams inherently more difficult. So that part of it, I get, I'm just not sure that the solution uh, is, should be, or, or even could be having everybody get in. So uh, that, that one just struck me as uh, just, just nuts. So I don't know, Ryan, if you had any other, uh, any other thoughts about your, your pal coach K's, uh, role in this whole thing or, or any, any lingering thoughts on it that you didn't hit earlier. I just thought it was a silly proposal. I mean, I get the thinking behind it again, as we talked about, but I mean, it logistically makes no sense and there's ways to eliminate. I mean, it would be one thing if they proposed the top, whatever, hundred and something teams that finished above 500, but you're going to be, you want to include teams that go like two and 25 in the NCAA tournament. That's just silly. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought the whole thing was kind of a, a joke. Yeah. I mean, even if the, even if the thought is that you're trying to find other ways to, to make additional ad money off of it or whatever, like nobody's going to watch some of these other games that are, it's the same reason that they're not televising the quarterfinals of the SWAC tournament. Um, because nobody's going to, going to watch, even though I've probably watched that on a stream at some point in the, in the not too distant past, but that's neither here nor there. But I think you're like, you're just not going to have a quality product. And then for all the things that college basketball gets kind of chopped down for in, in terms of, you know, not being as good as the NBA, which is absolutely true, but, but not, you know, not having that quality product, it really gets watered down at that point in my view. Uh, one other thing to hit um, was uh, the three man weave. Uh, they released our top hundred players. I think at some point in the last uh, last day or two, Trace actually came in at number eleven, uh, which I was uh, which I was pleasantly surprised to see. Uh, Chronic, uh, you buying Trace as a top uh, top fifteen, I guess top twelve uh, guy in college basketball this year? You know, man, the kid uh, the kid absolutely performed last season. Uh, I think that's probably a lot to put on his shoulders coming into a sophomore year, but I could totally justify it as well. Um, the thing I'm most, uh, it's most fascinating to me about that is that's, I, I think so far the highest expectation I've seen of trace, uh, on the national level. And I imagine there's going to be more of it coming in, uh, as, as time goes on and the season draws near, but I'll be real curious to see how he handles that. You know, it's not just the accolades, uh, the additional leadership that he's going to be expected from him. Uh, he did it in production, but you know, now when you're the guy in the spotlight, every single game. Uh, it's just a whole new, uh, a whole new challenge. He's going to have to navigate as the season goes on, but I, I, I totally think he's, he's up for it. Uh, and I totally think this is a year that could uh, very much showcase his, uh, his skill set. Yeah, it should be a, it should be a good one. He, it's exciting. It's one of the many reasons that you hope the season is able to happen. Cause it's, you know, returning a guy who showed so much as a freshman and, a 
uh, an off season to get in additional work and, and refine the additional parts of his game that we all want to see him uh, expand on is really exciting. And having one of those, those guys who is a top player coming back is always, always exciting and, and something that you hope can propel IU into the, into the tournament, into a good seat. So, all right. Well, with that, we will, uh, we'll take a quick break here and uh, then it's ask us anything time. So with IU hoops news, pretty slow. We put out a call for questions about anything and you guys obliged. So we'll see how this goes and answer those questions. when we come back, stick with us here on the assembly call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player fine. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. All right, thank you, Christian, and welcome back to the assembly call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Chronic Hoosier and Ryan Phillips. And tonight we just opened this up to do an AMA. So we've got a handful of questions here. I think they're largely in the order in which they were submitted. So we're just going to roll through these and uh, hopefully can hit as many as we can here over the over the next 30 minutes or so. So uh, first question is from Alex Howell. Last night there was a great NBA double overtime game in which OG hit a clutch three, which is becoming a uh, regular occurrence for him. What is the greatest overtime game you've watched or remember in any sport? So he gave a couple of examples. Larry Mize chipping in from nowhere to steal the Masters from Greg Norman. Isner grinding it out at Wimbledon in that absurd final set. Uh, he said there was something like 45 to 43. I don't remember what it actually was, but uh, I'm, I'm going to use his, his numbers here because at the very least, it felt like that's what it was. Uh, it was or, like the four-day match or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, I also threw out Suns-Bulls game three in the NBA Finals. So, uh, Ryan, any any games come to mind with you from an overtime perspective? Uh, the 2014 Western Conference Finals between in in the NHL between the Los Angeles Kings and the Chicago Blackhawks that was one of the best seven game series i have ever seen and the kings won it in overtime on a shot from the from the blue line that just deflected in off somebody uh just it, that it was more just i mean that was crazy that it ended that way but it was also just seven games of two teams playing as well as you can possibly play in hockey and you know, it was a back and forth series. Somebody would take a lead. Somebody would get a, would score two goals. The other team would score two goals. You know, it was just a great series. And then for it to end that way uh, on a, you know, this harmless shot from the perimeter that just, you know, fluttered in and the winner going to the Stanley cup. Uh, that, that was my favorite game seven memory uh, that I thought, cause I just watched that game and it was, you're, you were white knuckling for the entire game. If anybody watches playoff hockey, playoff hockey is so intense and it's, 
it's just, you know, every second you feel like is going to be the, the, the end of the game. It, it just feels like, and it was the most important play of the game. And um, so, yeah, I, I loved that. That's the one that stands out to me for sure. I thought, I honestly thought the NBA game he's referencing the other night was one of the best overtime games I've ever seen in, in basketball. Chronic, what about you? Any, any come to mind immediately? Oh, hell there's, um, honestly, the, the primus recency of that last game, uh, was just bonkers because you, maybe it's just cause I haven't watched live sports in what feels like forever. That was just insane. I do agree with Ryan though. Playoff hockey is probably the best sports product on the, on the earth. Um, you know, every, every few seconds you have a change of possession and offensive opportunities and it's just, and dude's just absolutely blowing people up. So I, I absolutely concur there. Um, you know, I don't know. I none stick out at the moment. Now I, I will call since we were talking Cubs, maybe that rain delay in Cleveland. Um, that was game that, seven of the World Series. Yeah, yeah, that for me was probably the the apex, the pinnacle of that. Just that perpetual state of, of climax. You never know how it's going to break, and then just the cathartic release after it, it was finally over. Um, I don't know that I've experienced a whole lot like that in my life. Yeah, the one I had was another Cleveland one, but it was a, a Cavs a Cavs game. It was uh, I had to look up what game this actually was. It was Game Five of the 2007, I believe, Eastern Conference Finals when LeBron scored. I think the last 25. I was I was looking this up here. He scored. I remember 29 that. of Cleveland's last 30 in the last their last 25 the, points. It was against the Pistons. Pistons. Yeah, and, I remember uh, that game. Yeah. yeah, he basically they they were like the the what I'm reading is the recap. He had 19 points, um, with about six minutes left, and then scored. 29 of the last 30 points for the Cavs over the course of the game. So that was pretty incredible. I just remember being in Cleveland. Everybody was uh, really excited about that and uh, about that team and and LeBron. And uh, even though I I kind of probably I'm a little tired of some of the complaining to the refs and some of the stuff that he gets into now, uh, that was like a a vintage performance of him early, early career from a college basketball standpoint, like that Syracuse UConn game that went to, However many overtimes in the Big East tournament was uh, oh, fairly yeah. incredible. And the they Kemba resh- game, right? They reshowed that. Is that the Kemba game? Oh no, that was the no. Devin. I think it was uh, yeah, Devendorf and I forget who all the all the particulars were. Although they reshowed it during March Madness time uh, when the tournament got canceled, and I actually rewatched. Uh, I rewatched a good chunk of it, and it's one of those where it was like it got to the point where like the basketball wasn't even that good because you had so many guys fouling out and not playing. Everybody was just dead tired, but you, you couldn't really turn away from it to that uh i think six overtime game that they had was uh was fairly incredible so uh, yeah it was two th- 2009 by the way in case anyone's looking for it there you go all right uh next question from kyle johnson if you had to make an all-time iu team of players who were never regular starters who would be your starting five so i don't know that we'll get to five but uh chronic any any favorite reserves over the the course of time in IU basketball history? I think everything would start with Laskowski. I mean, he did have the nickname the Super Sub, so I think he would have to be a part of it. But uh, what other guys stand out to you from your uh, your time watching IU and and who you you love to see give a spark off the bench? You know, all roads lead back to Tijon, so I got to lead with that. But uh, Laz is the obvious answer there. Uh, who, by the way, Laz cooks a mean burger. He's got the uh, the Culvers over on the the west side of town. You see John every time you go in there and his son. Uh, it, it's awesome to see him in the community. Uh, it's a good burger, too. Um, no, honestly, I don't know. I thought of, I saw this question when it first came up, and I really need a definition of regular starter uh, because so many guys that I would put on that list probably didn't start for three-fourths of their career. 
um, and then earned that spot as they became upperclassmen or at some point. So that, that really is, is, is a tough one. Um, you know, again, recency bias, probably, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to the grave. One of Derek Elston's biggest fans. I love the kid. Uh, I love the energy brought to the team, uh, the way he just impacted the chemistry of it. Um, you know, AJ Moye is one of those guys. It's a borderline too. I mean, I loved his game before he became, you know, pretty regular and a starter in the rotation. Um, yeah, he, he's one I thought of. I, I struggled a little bit with the same way you did. Cause so many guys, uh, were, you know, that, that spark guy early in their career and then worked their way into the starting lineup at the end, like a Sheehy, somebody I'd like say, that. Like he, he came to mind for me as well. I'd say the Absolutely. fair way to do this is if the primary, if primarily for their career, they were bench guys, you know, if like three years, they were a bench guy, one year they were a starter. I think that counts. I, I think that guy counts. Like will Sheehy to me would count as a bench guy. You yeah. know, uh, he did start his last year. But I would count him as a bench guy during his career. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, my know, my pick for this was Eric Sir. I loved Eric Sir. Pepper Pot. Yeah, the Pepper Pot. I used to, you know, and I was in school at the same time as he was. So we, I wrote about him at the IDS. I, I loved watching him come off the bench, and he would change games. You know, with taking a charge or hitting a shot or or whatever it was. He was a hard worker who uh, who I liked watching. I really enjoyed watching. I'd throw Remy Abel in too. Uh, while we had him, you know, he was in such a reserve capacity, but at one point going into the, uh, the end of the non-conference season as a freshman, he led the country in effective field goal percentage. I mean, he was just, he was fun to watch. I wish we could have seen him finish his career out here, but I ultimately at the end of the day, because he probably saw a lot of time on the bench, uh, you know, went looking for greener pastures, but Remy's definitely another one of those recent guys that I enjoyed quite a bit while we had him. Sad to see him go. Happy to see him continue to thrive though. Good kid. Yeah, it was it was cool to see him uh, playing so well in the the basketball tournament with uh, with Mo Creek for the sideline cancer team. He played he played really really well in that as well. Rod Wilmot was another guy that I thought. I mean, he eventually one. worked his way in, but he uh, was uh, could be instant offense that that spark. He was going to shoot regardless, so you knew you knew that you, you were getting that from him. But uh, he was another you know kind of microwave type guy that if he came in could could get hot. Uh, all he was right. a freak athlete too, man. Oh, he was. He was. Absolutely. Uh, all right. From Kevin, does Kaufman's reveal of his top five in any way change your impression of the probability of him choosing IU? Ryan, did that, that do anything for you? I, to me, it didn't, it didn't change anything for me because it was largely the teams that, I mean, the Indiana State one was a little bit weird, but, um, but, but otherwise, I mean, it's the teams who'd really been recruiting him the, the most, I think. And so it doesn't really, didn't really change anything for me. Did it for you? No, and and I, I thought some of the comments he made about Indiana made me feel a little better, talking about how he's got a great relationship with with Ostrom, and he's talking to him all the time, and he loves the coaches, and he loves what they're doing and, and all that, and he's really familiar with the program. That stuff made me feel a little better, but it just feels like the longer this goes on, uh, maybe the worse it is for Indiana as he, as he gets to see other schools and gets to hear from other schools. Um, that doesn't mean anything. That's just a feeling. I don't have any inside information on this one that it's, that's going south, but he seems like a kid who could want to go, you know, just from his previous comments that could want to go see something else for college. And that's totally fine. I mean, that's, that's his right. You know, I, I wouldn't be crying tears of pain if he went to a rival, then you feel like, Oh, you lost this guy. But if he goes out of conference, you know, you feel like, well, it's a kid who wanted to get out of Indiana, which is is totally fine, you know, for him. But he's a guy who Indiana really wants to get and, and really could use. And so you want to get him. If you don't, it's you're bummed about it. But, it, you know, you can't blame a kid for wanting to for living somewhere and then wanting to go see something else for his college years. 
chronic I any mean, he's he's choosing from you know aside from three in-state schools which i like because that's 60 percent of his, his top five um but you know your other choices national champ, defending national champions uh recently i guess or one of the most prestigious schools in the country and you know I actually took a lot of solace in the fact that he went down to Carolina on his own, didn't get the, you know, the Royal treatment like they normally get there. Didn't get to go Instagram in front of the wall of Jordans and, you know, just everything that Carolina does uh, that's got to be so impactful to a teenage kid, um, you know, to go down to Michael's school, probably get a phone call from him at some point. Um, So I like that. At the end of the day, I was uh, just reading off some of my friends. I took a lot of pleasure in the, uh, in the angst that his, his omission caused Louisville. Uh, and a lot of folks down there felt like they, they had a shot at it. So, and honestly, you know, when you look at, I'll, I'll, I'll recruit against Purdue seven days a week, twice on Sunday, obviously Indiana state, I respect the kid for putting, uh, putting them on the list and, and recognizing what that staff's done to develop that relationship. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, I always feel better when you see Louisville excluded, uh, from the competition, because quite frankly, regionally, that's probably one of Indiana's biggest, um, you know, competitors for, for local talent that's a great point all right next question is from jeff uh ryan your track record on guys who are on a one to two year or two year plan is impeccable so i'll throw this one uh to you uh will lander be a one and done i i don't think so i think he came in early to get two years in and then be gone at the time that normally would have been a one and done you know because he knew that he got to get in the college strength program and i think he'll be more prepared leaving instead of being a you know one and done if he had stayed for his senior year of high school and doing a one and done situation. Um, I think that's why he came early. It reminded me of race Thompson coming early and race Thompson said, I'm not going to play, but I'm coming in to get in that strength program. So I'm more prepared as my, as a freshman. I think that's kind of what Lander's doing, except for he's going to play. That's the difference. Um, I don't see him being a one and done just because of his lack of size. Um, I think that he certainly has the on court ability to do that, but I think he really has to get bigger. And I think that if you're going to be that size, you've got to be stronger, you've got to be faster, and you've got to have no holes in your game. And I think that that's why he's coming early is to, is to get all that done. Yeah, I think of a normal timeline. Yeah, I think of this one a lot along the, the same lines as you do. I think if I had to answer right now because he hasn't, you know, you haven't seen him play. Um, it, it is, you know, even a, a stretch for somebody his age to be in college basketball right now. I think your lean would have to be that he wouldn't be a one and done if he ends up being one. I think that says great things probably about how IU season goes. I would imagine, uh, cause it means he, he got, he was playing well enough to be on the court a lot and he did really well once he got there. So maybe is a, a win-win situation dependent upon that. Um, Joel saw him on campus. I don't mean to interrupt. I just oh, saw good. him on campus for the first time, like live last week, just walking around. And that was the one thing that stood out is, uh, just, just how small his body is. Um, you, you yeah, can he's, tell his profile doesn't look like the traditional college student. Uh, there's going to be a lot of maturation and development physically. I think that's going to have to take place before he's legitimately in that conversation for making the next step. Yeah. And I, I legitimately think that's why he skipped the senior year was to get with, so he's got round the clock training for that yeah. kind of thing. You can, I mean, you can do that in high school. It's just so much harder, you know, it, you know, you can get a personal trainer or whatever you get to college they're on you no matter what. And, and so I think that's a big part of why he came early. I, I mean, the fact that he can already, I mean, he can definitely already play at the college level, I think, but there's a difference between that and making that next jump and the physicality involved and the fact that you're playing twice as many games, you know, if you don't make the playoffs, all of that, I think that had a lot to do with why he's on campus when he is. 
you know, we talk about the strength and conditioning and what gets lost in that is just the total wellness program IU puts together and all the colleges put together. Uh, everything from planned recovery time that's really scientifically managed, the training tables. I mean, the, the fuel that these athletes put in their body and what it allows them to get out of it. I don't know that you can understate just how big all of that package is into the development of these guys. You know, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, Cliff Marshall does an amazing job, as we saw from those photos that got, you know, they got posted, particularly of uh, of Anthony Leal. I mean, he's like one step away from going full Wolverine. Um, but I, that's just such a huge part of, of of that whole process. You know, you could have the best, your mom could be the best cook in the world. And it's not like going to training tables. It's not like the downtime with, with you know, uh, Coach Marshall, Tim Garl, on the entire wellness staff they have there and the way in which they really get the most out of these athletes physically. All right. Next is from Joel. If the Maui Invitational is moved to Indianapolis, which has been floated, I, I heard, will that be the date for the assembly call social distancing meetup? Uh, I, I don't know. We'd have to figure out how to, uh, how to make that work dependent upon the, the timing. It would be, it would be convenient and Ryan could still potentially, you know, be there to cover the event, albeit in, uh, in a different location that he would be happier about than Asheville, North Carolina. So uh, maybe it's possible, but, uh, but the real reason we picked this one is we can, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this segment with this question. Ryan was curious how many Padres questions uh, that we would get. Sadly, <laughs> sadly, only one. Uh, Joel's question was if the Padres had a serviceable catcher, would they still be four and a half games back of the Dodgers? Probably not. They traded for one. They've got they've got Austin Nola now, who's I think his batting average is the highest among catchers in baseball. But they had uh, Austin Hedges, who is one of the worst ca- uh, offensive players in all of the baseball. I think he hit 173 last year. Great defender, terrible behind the plate, but or terrible at the plate. Uh, they actually completely blew up their catching situation, traded for two catchers and then brought up a 21 year old rookie as their sort of other catchers. So I, the catching situation, Joel, I'm fine with it. Problem is they spent most of the year without these guys. So that's, that has a lot to do with why they're four and a half behind the Dodgers. All right, that, well, the Dodgers are amazing this year. They are. I, I love them it's so much fun. Well, I was, I was glad it's just nice. We, we joked about this in between segments, but it's nice to see a, a San Diego team bring Ryan so much joy. So I, I had to throw <laughs> it's in the, the first time. And it's, like it's legitimately years. the first time since I've known Ryan that, it, that any team there has brought him any joy whatsoever. So it's, uh, uh you know, no coincidence. The whole state's on fire this year, but that's, I know, oh, that's I know. A, it's like, that's, yeah, that's a separate issue. That's, that's yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's kind of par for the course. Things are, are evening out there, I guess. Look, Chicago didn't burn down when they won their title. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. We're we we got we got we got plenty of problems out here. We really do. They got that out of the way like a century earlier. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to take a break, and we'll come back and hit the rest of the questions, uh, including one from uh, our friend Bob Thompson about a comparison of the IU football and basketball program. So we'll hit that one first. When we come back, stick with us here on the assembly call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. 
This is Nick Zeisloff. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Nick, and welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Chronic Hoosier and Ryan Phillips. And remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right, we're continuing our AMA, and we've got a handful of questions left to hit here, so hopefully we can squeeze them all in. Uh, This one comes from Bob Thompson, who does uh, all the intro songs and a lot of the music that you hear uh, on the show. So in addition to that, he threw out a good question here. So listening to Tom Allen on Hoosier Hysterics got me pumped. I feel really optimistic about the future of both IU football and IU basketball, but tell me which program has more reason to be optimistic and why. Chronic, I'll throw that one to you first. Um, I've, I've made this analogy for some time now. I feel like both teams are very much on parallel tracks, uh, ascendant. Uh, I think they're building a program the way that both need to, given where they, they, they sit respectively. Um, as far as which one is most likely to hit the mountaintop first, I'm going to say IU football. Um, and, you know, basketball should be easier. It's just less pieces. Um, you know, f- there's just a lot less going on. Uh, but I do feel like uh, Tom Allen's got the Hoosiers in a special spot. Uh, I, I, I like their prospects. Uh, I love the confidence of the team. I love the culture he's, he's building. I don't necessarily love that this season is going to be so wonky because of, uh, you know, whatever. I don't even know if we have a season, but it, it, I feel really bad that, you know, they kind of push pause on this team's progress going forward. Uh, and maybe I feel differently about, you know, how Archie's team stacks up after they get a chance to play a little bit. Uh, I just, it's just really unfortunate, but I, I really do like what's happening with both of them. Um, and I, I think both of them are on the cusp of putting something together that could, that could last for some time uh, if they choose for it to. Um, but I think right now, just based off um, most recent records, I feel like Tom Allen's just slightly ahead in that. Right. Yeah, I think I, I could see that argument. I think that what makes it more difficult for the football program is that they haven't had, you know, they're not a marquee program that you look at in their region. You know, if you're looking at the Big Ten, you look at Ohio State, you look at whatever. And so that might hold kids back a little bit from wanting to go there and look without the players. And he's done well in recruiting, certainly the best that Indiana has ever done, it feels like. Uh, but I think that there's still a little trepidation until you do start to see higher level success to get those top, you know, in-state kids to stay. I think he's done pretty well, but I think that it's just going to take a little bit more time. Whereas I feel like Indiana has built the basketball program to a point where, you know, if they get a good run going, they, you know, they could be a five seed in the NCAA tournament that makes a run with that system in a tournament style setting. So I would say IU basketball, but I'd say I feel good about where both programs are. And also, it's, you know, I know this happens at a lot of schools, but it's really interesting to see how both programs are mirror images of their coaches, you know, like are, are just, they, they, the basketball program looks like you would expect Archie Miller to build the basketball program and the football program looks exactly like you would feel Tom Allen, you know, how Tom Allen will build a program too. They, they are reflections of their coach and it's, it's really interesting to see that. Yeah. I think it's a, a, a great sign. There's even a well, I, I think it's a great sign. There's even a debate for this. Maybe some would say, take the other side of that and say, well, if the answer is not absolutely positively basketball, something is, is not going right. Um, but I do think it's interesting con- to contrast the two when we 
you know, we've talked about IU's progress over Archie's tenure and that it's been slow and kind of smaller steps versus I think you've seen more of those bigger leaps from um, the football program getting to to where they did last year. So, uh, but but like Chronic said, you know, everything was really set up well for them this year and hopefully that still is able to come to fruition uh, if and when the season is able to start. But you really hope that doesn't, uh, doesn't slow that momentum too much and maybe make this season a little bit of a, another small step as opposed to a bigger one like what we've seen. Uh, and how much does this conversation time? change if, if football doesn't have the division that IU football sits in, if they're not in the Big Ten East? Uh, yeah, probably a lot. That's a big <laughs> impact, yeah. Sorry. Probably a lot. All right, next one. I, I'll take the next one. So Lee sent in, can the new IU coach, I assume he means Kenya Hunter here, improve three-point shooting or do we rely on Ryan the shot doctor? I don't know that Kenya Hunter comes with – uh, any any credentials as as a shot doctor per se, but I'm not sure that Ryan is going to do this work without getting paid. So uh, we may have to put our uh, our eggs in the Kenya Hunter basket, or at least in other uh, other coaches and drills that these guys will be doing. So uh, I'll take. They've got to have some extra money laying around for me. Yeah, I'm may, just maybe. I'm saying. It's... Who knows? All right. Next next question from Todd is still at home. Uh, my daughter is a freshman on campus this year. What are the odds of her being able to see an IU basketball game in person? Or should we just assume it's not going to happen because it will be in a bubble somewhere? Um, Ryan, I'll throw this one to you first. Uh, what are the odds there? I, I don't know that the the conference bubble is as is all that likely to happen, but I don't know that that is the influencer of whether fans will actually be able to be at the games or not, even if they don't do the bubble. So, do you think there's any any fans at, at college basketball game or an IU college basketball game this season? Since day one of this, I've been saying no fans still until 2021. But hey, the NFL has fans right now in a socially distanced fashion. Um, I don't know how smart that is, but they're doing it. And and there's rumors that baseball may do it for the playoffs. Seeing they're going to see how it goes with the NFL, and maybe they'll do that for the playoffs. I I would assume it's it's a low percentage just because college campuses are a little bit different than professional athletes and adults making those decisions. So I'd assume it's low level, but I would never say never if if things all of a sudden just turn around and get better. It's been hard to predict this thing since the beginning as far as ebbs and flows. Um, we've known the ultimate you know result from the beginning, but you know there have been individual ebbs and flows in certain states and areas that have been unpredictable. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what the world's going to look like in January of 2021. I, I don't know what it's going to look like for the big 10 conference. And I don't think they'll do a bubble though. I think that they'll do is, is try and copy the baseball football model where people are getting tested constantly. They're going to games and then they're going, you know, home and, and they have rules that they have to follow and all of that stuff. I think that's what they're going to go for. Chronic, what about you? I think that's one thing that, no, let me, let me back this up, I guess, first. Did you say game or games? Because that, that may be an important delineation. She says, uh, it just said uh, odds of her being able to see IU basketball in person this year. So it doesn't specify. Okay. So I suppose it could just be once. Yes. Um, I, I like her odds. And I like her odds because um, as a student, I think they're going to get some preference uh, as far as attendance. I do think it's going to be a greatly, greatly reduced capacity. Uh, but along those lines, you know, IU's mitigation testing efforts right now are, are pretty robust. Uh, assuming that the testing stays available to them. So I think that could be something that you see, you know, kind of conditioned upon your your uh, receipt of, of tickets for a game or maybe a couple of them, depending on what, you know, how many home games you have on the slate, is that, okay, everybody who's got tickets to the, the Tuesday night game, you've got a test that you've got to, uh, you've got to pass on Monday 
uh, COVID test you've got to pass in order to, to go to the game. Um, so there's an infrastructure in place that actually allows that to happen. Uh, I think so much of that, though, too, is going to be determined by what happens between now and the start of the season on campus. Because like we said earlier, you know, things are kind of precariously perched right now um, and they're holding together as best they can. Um, I do feel better about her odds that she's not in a Greek house at IU. They'll give her that. She's got that in her favor as well. So um, we'll see if we get there. If we do get there, I, I think you'll probably see an opportunity for kids to attend at least one, maybe a couple. All right. Well, that made me feel a little bit better. Uh, Optimistic. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I like it. So, all right, Ed, this is kind of a related question. In the event that college basketball is played without fans in attendance, would you be open to or opposed to Assembly Hall pumping in crowd noise like MLB and others do? Uh, Ryan, quick thoughts on this one? I, I think if it's a low-level kind of hum like white noise, I'm fine with it. I don't want them doing what the A's are doing where it goes up and down in wild stretches and things like that. If it's like a low-level baseline hum, so – you're not just hearing echoes the whole time. I, I kind of cool with that. Baseball, I think, has done a pretty good job in general with that. Some places not as good as others, but I'm fine with the little low-level uh, hum. And, hey, maybe you let them do what the NBA does and pipe in some music or, or whatever uh, just to keep the atmosphere. All right, Chronic, I'm going to throw this next one to you uh, from, from Paul. Uh, gun to your head, you had to root for one or the other, Purdue or Kentucky, if they played each other in the finals some year. Who would you root for? He he talked about probably pulling for Purdue since they're Big Ten. Most of the kids are from Indiana. He, uh, so what what would you do in that in that horrific scenario, Chronic? I'd just say pull the trigger, man. Uh, <laughs> that's an option too, right? Gun to the head. I mean, there's, there's, there's an option C. Um, you know, I, I think if it all me came down to it, it'd probably be the most painful game I ever watched. I'd probably end up pulling for Purdue. I, I dislike Kentucky that much. Um, I don't need to hear them talk about their most recent banner that, you know, their 12 NBA players achieved for them. Um, at the end of the day, we never hear the end of it from Purdue fans, but you can always smack them down with math too. So I'd go there. I will say though, going back to the other question that we just had, I hate the crowd, the fake crowd noise. College is absolutely situated though for its own noise. One of the best parts about the college game, you've got the big red band. It, it's literally one yeah, of the best that's there. Just play their tunes, man. And, and don't worry about the artificial stuff. It's I didn't re- think about that. That's a good call. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. All right. We got to wrap, folks. Uh, That'll do it for this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you heard on tonight's show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then, take it from me, Freddie Max Wayne Jr. Keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and man, go up and dump the ball. Go losers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.